Welcome to Barely Political. My name is Zachary Hagen-Smith. Today, I'm bringing you a radio version of my column, History of Things. We'll be discussing a history of tacos today, and I hope you enjoy. Like a lot of people during this pandemic, I took up a new hobby, hiking. At the time, I was living in southern France near these alpine foothills, and every week or so, I'd trek across those Mediterranean mountaintops to pass the time. One day, I went for a long hike. As hours passed, I became tired and hungry, and I wanted to go home. That's when I saw this set of stairs going down the hill. Now usually, usually, stairs like these are shortcuts that get you somewhere closer to the city, but this, 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 this stairway was strange. It was old and rusted. Some of its stair wood was rotten. When I got to the bottom, I found an old trail and as I followed it, this path, it disintegrated into shrubs and bushes and dirt. As it disappeared, these abandoned buildings started popping up with cinder block walls and scrap metal roofs. It was sketchy, really sketchy. So I turned back like any normal person would. As I came back to the stairway though, I heard a sound. Someone else was coming down. Now this stairway was narrow, only good for one lane foot traffic if you know what I mean. So I waited and waited and this man came out. He was bald and wearing camouflage and pointing a gun directly at my face. My name is Zachary Hagen-Smith. This is a story about many things. Violence, death, racism, nationalism, countries on the edge, countries off the edge. But more than anything, it's a story about a peculiar culinary dish that by all logic and all reason should not exist. We're talking about the first ever French taco Ooh. spot. Oh, that's right, French taco. Moving to France during the pandemic was hard. I grew up in Los Angeles and had never lived anywhere else. I didn't even speak French. But on the drive from the Nice Côte d'Azur airport to my flat, on every street corner were these snack shops with these words that, as a Californian, were words from home. Tacos. What? French tacos? It exists. But this isn't your typical Tex-Mex fare. In the words of New Yorker journalist Lauren Collins, French tacos are tacos. Like chicken fingers are fingers. The recipe is simple. A flour tortilla, diced or minced meat, a generous amount of fries, and to top it all off, a white creamy cheese sauce. The result, a hefty sandwich that contains over 1,000 calories. French tacos look like these rectangular oblong burrito thingies torched with a panini press. French tacos, tacos plural, even when referred to singularly, are thought to have come from the snack shops of Southern France's Rhône-Alpes regions from Lyon, from Grenoble, in the early 2000s. Since then, the reign of tacos has stretched as far as the light touches. Franchises like O-Tacos and Tacos Avenue have extended well outside France, opening locations as far as Tangier and Brooklyn. French tacos are slowly becoming a worldwide phenomenon. Tacos are deeply enmeshed into French youth culture. 
into TikTok. Un French tacos maison juste incroyable. Rap music. C'est les meilleurs tacos au monde. Since tacos are one in one with France's young people, I consulted a few tacos experts. Hello, my name is Hugo. Uh, I'm French. Hey, my name is Marky. Um, I'm from Germany, but I lived uh, in France for two years. Hi, so my name is Luca. I'm from France, uh, actually, especially from Reunion, which is an island, which is located east of Madagascar. With my tacos experts assembled, I had to ask, why are tacos so popular among their generation? Maybe more than other like fast food brands, tacos they often manage to have like a good, um, good coverage in social media and all the media that that tend to be more used by young people than other ones. I feel like first of all, like it makes sense that there's so much demand for coming from young people because obviously young people have like lower income or like lower um, financial resources available so it makes sense especially when you come back for a party like you're like you're like hungry at like 2 a.m it's originally open so you just have like a taco marketing affordability and well um late night snacking but to really understand the appeal of french tacos you need to understand their roots while they come from grenoble or Lyon, their true origins lie across the Mediterranean. Apparently the story goes that two, two Moroccan immigrants were in, in France and they felt inspired by Mexican cuisine. Ça a été une galette kebab améliorée pendant un moment, en plus carré, plus compacté, oui. passé au panini. The recipe is inspired by a dish from the city of Setif, pointing to Mukhala'a, a semolina pancake often stuffed with meat, onions, bell peppers, and tomatoes that is popular in Algeria. Nobody for sure knows who invented the French tacos, but it's clear that, like kebabs and couscous, they're descended from a uniquely French fast food form of North African and Middle Eastern street cooking. The recipes and culinary traditions brought by these migrant communities have spread from recently settled households across the entire country. But culinary changes like this, they don't happen overnight, folks. They all begin somewhere, and the taco story began over a century ago. It's 1912, and General Louis Hubert Gonzalve Leoti takes command of the French Foreign Legion in Morocco and Algeria. Starting in the late 1800s, France began colonizing the Maghreb, the French term for North Africa's three main regions, Tunisia, Algeria, and Morocco. Across the Maghreb, France introduced and expanded new technologies, railroads, telegraphs, important things. But they did so in ways that weren't fair. Throughout French rule, Arab people had little say in politics and were ruled by French minority governments. These legislators' subsequent reforms confiscated many Arab people's lands and sold them to French buyers at artificially low prices. This all contributed to institutional and economic inequalities that make independence a lot more difficult for Maghrebi countries in the future. But that day was a long way off. It was a sunny day on June 24, 1914, in Sarajevo. Scheduled that day was the expected motorcade of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, who was the heir to the Austro-Hungarian crown. In 1914, when World War I struck, France needed soldiers. So, they turned to the Maghreb. France's North African territory sent hundreds of thousands of men to fight in the First World War. These Arab soldiers defended Paris from the Germans and France from invasion. But these Arab countries didn't just provide France with troops. No, they also provided industrial manpower. By 1919, nearly 20,000 Algerians had taken up factory jobs across France. In this period, a quarter of Paris's population were foreigners, the majority of whom came from the Maghreb. At the same time, 
Refugees from Turkey and Armenia were flooding into France, bringing with them a dish that had become synonymous with Arab street cooking. The great granddaddy of the French taco, the kebab. Of course, these immigrant populations were still quite small, and their restauranting industries were even smaller. But that changed after the Second World War, when France lay in ruins. It was on ships like this that France's new immigrant workforce arrived to rebuild the country in the 1950s. They came to fill pressing needs in construction and manufacturing after World War II. Starting in the 1950s, France and other European countries encouraged emigration from the Maghreb, offering temporary migrant workers long-term residency and with it, an easy path to citizenship. Newly independent Morocco and Tunisia likewise encouraged European emigration as a way to relieve their own country's chronic unemployment and also to secure financial remittance transfers from our workers abroad. French Algeria had a more complicated situation. Native Algerians and French settlers were engaged in a violent, gruesome war. Many Algerians, both of European and Arab descent, moved to France as refugees. While these immigrants' experiences differed, they all shared one thing in common. When they moved to France, they brought their recipes. By the 1970s, immigrant food products like Maghrebi couscous and later the Turkish kebab had entered the French marketplace. But the way companies marketed this food was often less about the food itself and more about where it came from. During the colonial age, France sought to civilize Arab culture. But by the 1980s, France preferred to bottle and sell it. Food companies weren't just selling food, but in the words of a paper published by the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, they were selling the seemingly timeless and primitive cultures of the non-Western world. This approach is of course paternalistic and to use the language of philosopher Edward Said, orientalist. As one of my very own tacos experts remarked, I feel like, I'm not sure if uh, I may claim this, but uh, like there's much more appreciation in Western Europe for like local foods, for example, like French food, like good fish. And then like in Germany, like um, a schnitzel, then there is um, for, for like uh, food that comes from um, other places outside Western Europe. While that's somewhat true today, it was overwhelmingly true 40 years ago, which was a problem. Creating national cuisines is important for immigrants seeking to define their identity and place in any society, especially such a gastronomically focused one as France. So, how do you teach a country to take North African food seriously? You get a North African to teach them. And for France, her name was Fatima Hall. Je pense que c'est tout à fait normal dans la mesure où le couscous qui est composé donc de semoule, de farine et d'eau. Born in Morocco, she immigrated to France in the late 1960s for an arranged marriage, but quickly divorced her husband after enrolling in university. Following college, where Hall studied ethnography, she bounced around various political advocacy jobs, but she was never satisfied. So, in 1984, she started a Moroccan restaurant in the heart of Paris called Mansouria. Depuis 15 ans, Fatima Hall tient ce restaurant marocain au cœur de Paris. Paul soon gained minor fame publishing detailed cookbooks not only on Maghrebi recipes, 
but on the history of Maghrebi cuisine. In the words of the ethnic Paris cookbook by Charlotte Pouquet and Olivia Kongsnaya, Hall is the queen of Moroccan cooking. Hall is unique because her success is based not on compromising the authenticity of Maghrebi foods by, you know, modifying them to fit French tastes, but on staying true to her roots. Today, couscous is one of the most popular dishes in France, but the story of French tacos is complicated by another factor. Jacques Borel opened the very first fast food restaurant in 1961 in the heart of Paris, a franchise of the American chain Wimpy. Eleven years later, another Frenchman tried his luck. Raymond Daillon opened the first franchise of the American giant McDonald's in the Paris region. In the 1970s, American fast food companies began to flood France. McDonald's, Burger King, KFC. But companies weren't willing to open franchises in the oft-neglected French suburbs, the banlieue. These low-income areas are disproportionately populated by people with immigrant backgrounds. With no fast food coming to serve the banlieue, the banlieue decided to serve themselves. A new generation of restaurants emerged. Snacks. They served kebabs and burgers and couscous. And it was in these snacks that French tacos were invented. In this sense, tacos reflect a very unique French immigrant experience. While couscous comes from the Maghreb and kebabs from Turkey, tacos, tacos, tacos! Tacos are French. They're the product of Moroccan and Tunisians and Algerians and so many other cultures, but they aren't any of those things individually, no. They're all of them at once. They're French. But for some people in France, that is a problem. A problem that lies at the core of their country. And potentially, it's end. Monton, this French-Italian border town I lived in during the pandemic, stood at the center of a massive migration crisis. Geographically, Italy is an optimal location for African migrants coming to Europe. Per European Union law, when these immigrants arrive in Italy, they are granted asylum, but just for Italy, not for anywhere else in Europe or the European Union. The thing is, for a lot of these migrants, Italy is a pathway, not a destination. They want to go to France or England, and Italy is just where they have to land. And those who want to go to London or Paris have to get through Monton's borders. Because of this, the French-Italian border there is one of the most heavily policed borders in Europe. I never expected to be on the receiving end of that policing, but as soon as that French soldier pointed the gun at me, I was. The soldier walked me up the stairs point blank, hands up, and when I got to the top, there were six or seven soldiers there. They had a dog smell me and started asking me these questions. A lot of them were these, these very French insults, like, you're hiking? In that outfit? But they also asked for my passport, which I didn't have on me, so they took me in their car to a detention center on the Italian border. When I got there, there were all these legitimate refugees, people from Myanmar, South Sudan, people actually fleeing genocide and poverty. And then there I was. They eventually let me go, but it was scary, really scary. To have that immediate scrutiny on you just because you're different, that's a lot. It gives this impression like there's just not a place for you here. There's no place at all for you. Not not in this country. No, no, no place at all. In the 1950s, immigration to France was virtually unrestricted. But today, 
France treats their border with Italy like a war zone. So, what the heck happened? Ce problème, c'est le fait que les Nord-Africains, et particulièrement les Algériens, sont concentrés dans quelques agglomérations. Marseille In 1972, French President Georges Pompidou issued two administrative memoranda, collectively known as the Marseillean Fontenay Circulars. They targeted North African migrant workers. The first memoranda put an end to a practice called regularization, where undocumented workers came to France, found employment, and then filed their necessary paperwork. The second memoranda mandated that immigrants gain commitment from an employer prior to arriving in France. Pompidou's measures fit with a broader shift in European migration policy at the time. Well, of course, there are far too many immigrants in this country. We do not have sufficient houses, jobs, and schools for our own people, let alone immigrants. In the wake of the oil crisis and economic downturn, many European countries cut immigration and scapegoated immigrants for economic problems that the immigrants had actually little to do with. In France, some people went further, though. Le Pen, la France. En France, les candidats n'osent pas parler de l'immigration. Le mot est tabou. From 1972 to 2015, Jean-Marie Le Pen led France's National Front Party with the idea that immigration ought to be tougher, even for immigrants already in France. Le Pen is a controversial figure, to say the least. He's thought to have committed war crimes in Algeria has been fined by the French government for hate speech against Muslims. He also flirts with Holocaust denial. But in 2002, he shocked the country and made it to the runoff of France's two-round presidential election. He lost the election by a landslide, but it signaled that these previously taboo race-baiting issues were mineable for political points. So, what do you think happened next? In 2010, members of Le Pen's National Front at their party convention united under the cry, not the kebab, not the burger, long live the ham and butter baguette. Je trouve que trop de kebab, c'est trop. In 2015, the National Front mayor of the southern town Béziers declared war on kebab shops and started limiting their numbers. Ils ont imposé leur mode de vie. Si vous voulez, il y a eu de plus en plus de de boucheries halal, il y a eu de plus en plus de kebab. A recent Q&A. 2022 presidential candidate Eric Zemmour declared that immigrants are imposing their way of life on French people. Too many kebabs, too many halal butcheries, too many tacos. The new villain of the French far right? Food. Maybe I can I can understand like the the the, the way they're trying to say that like, oh yeah, we want people to like integrate in French culture, but are you gonna prevent people from like expressing their own culture, like having things from, from like other countries? Like are we also like placing a cap on like Italian restaurants, for example? I'm like, what does it mean to like place limited like kebabs and not for example like British restaurants, you know? So you're making like a distinction between different type of people? Most of the time, no one goes out and says we're banning snacks and kebab shops because we don't like Arabs. But the underlying message is evident. The people that support banning kebabs never dream of the same policies against pizzerias or sushi restaurants. They don't like Arabs. But their line of rhetoric doesn't come from nowhere. It relies on a certain set of French social structures. One of the first lines that he said that, that Zemmour says that is quite interesting in my opinion, is that he says in France, like, I don't know any minorities, I only, only know citizens that are part of the, the national community. This itself, like, it sounds extremely problematic when Zemmour says it, but it's like a, an extreme caricature of the, 
of the French Republican project. The French constitution says that France is indivisible, that you can't divide it into different communities. What makes France stick together is what French people have in common, namely its three founding principles, liberty, equality, and fraternity. The goal of France's Republican project is to create a common community to cultivate these values, no matter your background, whether ethnic, racial, religious, whatever. Where America sees itself as a melting pot, in France, everybody melts into the pot. In theory, both America and France's view of citizenship have similar end goals, but they're easy to misconstrue. That's where the most steps, in my opinion, out of the Republican project, that he says that you cannot have your own like, particular background living on the side, you know? You can have, you, like he's saying that you have to be part of that whole community all the time and like in all spheres. Whereas the real Republican project, in my opinion, is to be able to cultivate in the common space, in, in places like school or public administration, what keeps us together. So where does that leave these culinary culture wars? It's utter, utter, um, like, bullshit in a sense, because like, I mean, if, like, kebab shops are only going to work if, like, people want them, you know? Uh, for me, this, like, cultural war, war is just, it's wanted by the far right, because it's the only real field on which you can prosper. They are not credible enough in France, and they don't have the historical backing to have, like, a proper standing as, as, as real parties focused on something else, identity politics. But yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's a problem personally. And also, like even my sisters, like a long time ago, were also immigrants. So uh, I think you know, you just go to a place and like you you like bring some a part of where you're from with you and you shape it. And that's that's the beauty of like France and immigration. I think. The fact of the matter is that people like Arab food, halal food, snacks, whatever you want to call them, whether it's couscous or kebabs or tacos. That doesn't make you anti-French. If anything. The fact that such cultural diversity can use French as such a universal label makes it all the more so. France's racial legacies at home and abroad are rife with prejudice and discrimination, but in the country's culinary scene there is hope that a better future is within reach. So the verdict is in. French tacos are great. Isn't that right, tacos experts? I said don't eat tacos, man. Those, <laughs> those really, those are not worth it. Like you can, you can find better, especially if you're in France. Absolutely disgusting, um, as well as like obviously, um, it seems to be extremely low quality food. I don't think it's like great quality, so, ah, not great for your health. I need to confess something. When I lived in France, I tried French tacos, and they are, without a doubt. One of the worst things to have ever entered my mouth. French tacos are gross. They're disgusting. They're horrific. French tacos have no justification or reason or qualification to exist. But the fact that despite every odd, these tacos do exist and that their existence looms larger and larger every year, every month, every minute. Well, that's almost inspiring. It's raining tacos from out of the sky. If this universe has a place for French tacos, the most unlikely and most unreasonable of foods, then it must have a place for us all. This has been Zachary Hagen Smith discussing a history of tacos. This podcast was recorded in March 2022 in Berkeley, California. 
Interviews were conducted in February 2022, also in Berkeley, California. This has been a production of the Berkeley Political Review. Yum, 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 yum